Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, and whether you call Collective your church home or you are just checking us out, we hope you are encouraged and inspired to take the next step in your journey toward the grace and truth of Jesus. For more information about Collective, you can visit us online at mycollective.church or follow us on social media at mycollectivechurch. Now, let's get into today's message. So it's 2020. By the look at that video, you probably couldn't tell. We'll talk about that in a moment. But to kick off this new year at Collective, I want to take a few minutes to celebrate with you all. And I say this a lot, but it bears repeating. There's something really special going on in this church. God did big things in, in 2019. If that's any indication of what's to come, this year is going to blow us all away. And so I want to start off our year by sharing some of the incredible things that we experienced in the last 10 days of December. For the first time ever, Collective, we decided to host three Christmas Eve services. And we did this because we wanted to create more space for people to experience the hope that Jesus offers. And so many of you invited people, you brought people, you prayed for people to say yes. Some of you took a risk and you Googled church in Frederick and it led you here. And when all was said and done, after two amazing nights and three beautiful services, 698 people came to our Christmas Eve services at Collective. I am so proud of this church. I am proud of you. I'm proud of those of you who served, proud of those of you who brought people, proud of those of you who invited, proud of those of you who invited people and they turned you down, but you know that you have another opportunity soon to do that. Another amazing thing uh, from last week was that we celebrated as Sadie Gladhill was baptized. Um, Sadie was the first student to attend our youth collective small group, then make the decision to be baptized. And Sadie was baptized by Katie, who just did the host spot. We started that group in the fall of 2018 with three students. We knew that there were middle schoolers and high schoolers here that needed a space. And so Katie and some other people began to create that space. They began to pray. They began to pour into that group so that we have middle schoolers and high schools that have their own space on Wednesdays every single week where they can learn a little bit more, where they can dive a little bit more and wrestle with God in faith. Sadie was also our 20th baptism for the year and our 65th for our church since we launched. And to be a part of a church where people are taking next steps and putting their faith in Jesus is a huge deal. Now, it feels normal at Collective, which is awesome, but we are experiencing things in this church that not many church plants see. One last thing to celebrate from last week. Last week, we finished up quarter number four with a record number of first-time guests. There were 189 first-time guests over the past three months, which is huge. This is actually the fourth quarter in a row that we've broken our previous record, so the bar's really high. But what makes that even more special is that our team was able to go out and purchase just under 50 gifts to donate to the Frederick Rescue Mission for their annual toy drive. This is the third year that we've been able to partner with the Frederick Rescue Mission. And because of you, you know, when you are a first time guest and you fill out this card and you wonder, does it matter? It matters, right? It matters for those kids who got gifts this Christmas that didn't know what else they were going to get. And so because of our first time guests, we were able to give just under 50 gifts. That's 150 gifts that we've been able to give as a church, as a community, not just us, like you all, since Collective started. So thank you. I don't know if there was a better way to close out 2019 than celebrating Christmas together, than cheering on Sadie as she got baptized, and by loving this city and children in need during the holiday season. But that was last year, and it's time to move on. It's 2020, so let's talk about today's teaching. The first week of my sophomore year in college, 
my roommates and I had the brilliant idea that we were going to torment one of our friends. Our friend Katie had just bought a brand new car, so we decided that we were going to steal her tires and put her car up on cinder blocks. We were terrible friends, okay? I was 20. And then what we were going to do, just to make it even better, is we were going to write a bunch of riddles on note cards that led her all around campus to the spot where her tires would be hidden. And then just for more fun, we were going to saran wrap her entire car, to, car and hide the notes in there. So around 2 a.m., dressed in all black, four guys went up and took four tires. When we were done, we rolled them down the hill to our dorm and stashed them under my bed, grabbed the riddles, and started to head back up to her car. But as we reached the top of the hill where her car was parked, we noticed that something was off. There were blue and red lights lighting up the sky, reflecting on the surrounding buildings. It was the cops. I'm not even kidding you. Someone called the cops and reported a theft. Now, very long story short, the cops fingerprinted the car. There was a police report. We turned ourselves in. Now, a few days later, after everything got settled, we got an email from the dean of students and the president of the college asking to meet with us, uh, which we knew was not going to be good. Because the problem was, this wasn't the first time we'd gotten in trouble. It was the third. And it wasn't the first time there was a police report written about us. It was the second. And so the beginning of the meeting consisted of the dean and the president asking us why we were so dumb, which we didn't have an answer for that question. But then it took a weird turn. The dean of students looked me right in the eye and said, you've got to find something better to do with your time. Get a hobby, get a girlfriend, do your homework, get a job, anything, because this is your last strike and the next time you're gone. And I'm not even kidding you, this was my turning point in college and in a big way in my life. Because I realized I was wasting my time and I was not investing in the things that I actually cared about. Instead of focusing on school and my education and my relationships, I was focusing on pulling pranks and video games and other dumb crap. And it got me to a place where one move in the wrong direction and I was getting kicked out of college. And something needed to change. And the truth is I knew it started with my priorities. Today we're kicking off a brand new series called Thank God It's Monday. So you may be feeling a strong 90s vibe over the next few weeks. Our pre-service and post-service playlists are only playing 90s, so you might have walked in to jump by crisscross. That is intentional because it's wonderful, okay? Some of you are trying to figure out how you turn your pants backward while you're still in them. Don't do that. That wasn't cool, though. We named the series Thank God It's Monday to give a shout-out to TGIF, the greatest two-hour block of television programming in the history of the world that spanned the decade of the 90s. I even debated whether or not to wear Zubas and shave a lightning bolt in the side of my head and rock a fanny pack, but I didn't want to look like this guy. Never looked like that guy. Or this guy. Kind of looks like a genie. He is holding a cell phone. For those of you who were born in the 2000s, that's what cell phones used to look like, a giant brick that you could actually talk into. You, you couldn't pay me enough money to actually dress like this ever. Now let's talk about Mondays, though. When it comes to our week, that is the day that we dread the most. Some of you get to the end of the night on Sunday and you pray that a natural disaster happens so that you don't have to go to work the next day. It feels darker on Monday mornings, right? We feel more tired on Monday afternoons. Food doesn't even taste as good on Mondays. Mondays are the worst. And it isn't just a case of the Mondays. We have an epidemic called Monday. And the problem is that there's nothing we can do about it, right? We can't skip Monday. We can't ignore Monday. We can't remove Monday from our week. So if we have to deal with it, what can we do to hate Mondays a little bit less? Right? What if we were able to make a few changes to our lives that would help us actually look forward to Monday? Or maybe at least dread it a little bit less because our lives would carry less stress, 
less burdens, less frustration. More specifically, what if we looked at our life and we were able to make a few small changes that could make a big impact on our weeks and even 2020 as it begins? And that's the goal of this series, to gain wisdom from the Bible that can lead us to thinking, thank God it's Monday. To do that today, we're gonna be focusing on a few verses in Ephesians 5, which is in the New Testament. Here's some of the context for what we're reading today. The author Paul is a former murderer turned church planner, which isn't normal for church planners, just in case you're a little bit nervous about that. But true story, at one point in his life, he was persecuting and ordering the execution of Christians, and God literally stopped him in his tracks. He didn't just start following Jesus. He dedicated his life to letting other people know about grace and the endless second chances that Jesus offers. Paul is one of the best examples of, it doesn't matter how broken your past is or how messed up your life currently is, Jesus can turn it all around. And that's what happens to Paul. And because of that, he actually goes and starts planting churches. And what would happen is he'd actually plant these churches and he wouldn't stay for long. He'd leave, he'd go to the next city and start planting more churches. But when he went away, he would send letters back to the churches that he helped start. And he'd send letters to them, encouraging them to grow physically and spiritually, encouraging these churches to move closer to God. So Paul writes this letter to the church in Ephesus, and this is what he wrote in Ephesians 5. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Listen, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether or not you follow Jesus. This is advice that we can get behind because we don't want to waste what little time we do have, right? We wanna make the most of it. The issue is we don't really know how to do that. And I think that's part of the reason why we dread Mondays so much. We waste our time. We don't have enough time. We spend time doing things that don't really matter. And so today, what I want us to do is look at our priorities because we don't wanna live like fools and what we prioritize has a major impact on how we live. And there are a few ways to actually determine your priorities in life. One way is how you spend your money. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And so your money dictates what your heart follows, right? How you spend your money determines your priorities. We actually talked about this in November in a series called The Frederick That God Sees. And so if you wanna learn more about how your heart follows your money, you can look up a sermon titled A Place of Resilience. You can look it up on YouTube or Spotify. Today, though, we're focusing on how we use our time because how you spend your time reveals your priorities. Let me say that again. How you spend your time reveals your priorities. So here's what we're gonna do. I want you to grab the program that you got when you came in and a pen, or you can take out your phone and open up an app that allows you to take notes. And I want you to make a list of the top five or 10 priorities that you have in your life, right? These are things that you value. And to be honest, this should be easy for you. This would be things like your marriage, your friendships, your kids, working out, career, personal growth, spiritual life, mental health. Maybe you have a few hobbies that you value. You like to read or knit or brew beer or drink beer. But what are your priorities? And I'm actually gonna give you time to do this today. When I said bring, grab a pen, like I mean it. Like usually we say do that and the expectation is you go home. But I'm gonna give you about 60 seconds right now to start making that list. Right, what are your priorities? And specifically, what are the things that you value in your life? And while we do that, the the team in the back is gonna play some music for you. Told you it was 90s, people. If I see you rapping, I'm calling you out, okay? Write your list. All right, stop, collaborate, and listen. 
ice is back with my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. Flow like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll glow. To the extreme, I rock a mic like a vandal. Light up a stage and wax a chump like a candle. Dance. Caress the speaker that booms. I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom. Deadly. When I play a dope melody, anything less than the best is a felony. Love it or leave it. You better gain weight. You better hit bullseye. The kid don't play. If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. Christmas a few weeks ago, and this is your first time back. You're like, what is happening in this church? Welcome to Collective, okay? <laughs> All right, so now, right next to or below the list you just made, I want you to write out or type out the top 10 ways that you spend your time. You have, you have 24 hours in a day and 168 hours in a week. How do you spend your time? Now, whether you like it or not, number one and two should end up being work and sleep, right? They take your time. They take massive chunks of your time. So what comes third? Time with your kids, time with your friends, time at church, spiritual disciplines at home like reading your Bible or praying. What about cooking, cleaning? How about Netflix, Disney Plus, sitting in traffic, scrolling endlessly through social media, Remember, this is not how you want to spend your time, but how we actually spend our time. So you're going to have to be honest with yourself right now. And I'm going to give you 60 more seconds and a brand new song. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. My, 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 my music hits me so hard. Makes me say, first service try to convince me to do the MC Hammer dance while that song was on, it will never happen, okay? <laughs> I love you guys, just not that much. Now, looking at those two lists, if you're like me, comparing those lists side by side is going to be very sobering. Because I say that personal growth is important to me, but I watch more Netflix than I spend time reading. I say that my physical health matters, but I spend more time on Facebook than I do exercising. I say that my wife is a priority, but a date night wouldn't end up in the top 10 of how I spend my time. And I know I'm not alone in this. I did some research. The average person spends five hours a day watching television. They spend 2.5 hours a day on social media. But we only spend 38 minutes a day socializing, being in actual relationships. We only spend 22 minutes a day on our spiritual life, only 17 minutes a day working out, and only 15 minutes a day on self-care. I don't know anybody who would say that watching TV is a priority, but the average person spends five hours a day watching it, and this is a problem. You see, we say things are a priority in our life, but the way we spend our time says otherwise. And this is part of the reason why we struggle to succeed when it comes to New Year's resolutions. 
This is part of the reasons why we dread Mondays, because we want our life to look a certain way, but that isn't the reality, and that creates tension. We spend time on things that don't matter to us, and we neglect the things that do. So in order to fix that, we have to spend more time working on our priorities. And if we do that, if you do that, I believe that you will experience freedom in your schedules that will lead to a more fulfilling week, month, and even year. All right, now that you have those two lists, let's go back to what Paul said in Ephesians 5. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. One pastor explained it like this. Wise people know that time is a precious commodity. All of us have the same amount of time at our disposal with 60 minutes in every hour and 24 hours in every day. None of us can stretch time. But wise people use it to the fullest advantage. Do you do that? Do you approach your time this way, like a precious commodity? Do you control your time, or does your time control you? And that leads us to our first application for today. If it has value, make it a priority. If there are things on your first list that you say are a priority, but your time says otherwise, right? So you say you value these things, but you don't give it the time of day. This is how you know a change in your life needs to happen. Is your marriage a priority? Do you set aside time regularly to go out on a date? Married people without kids, this is for you as well. Just because you go out to dinner when you don't want to cook doesn't mean that it's a date night. Make plans. Save up money. Dress up. Go out on a real date. Set aside time every night without TVs or phones to have real conversations that include vulnerability. Give your marriage the time it deserves. Are your kids a priority? Speaking as a parent, I feel like my time revolves around my kids, but that's just because we can't leave them alone without them swallowing a nickel or falling down the stairs. Do you set aside intentional time with your kids? Do you read to them every night? Do you eat dinner, and no matter how old they are, do you ask them how their day went? Or do you spend more time watching Netflix than you do with your kids? If your kids are a priority, give them undivided time. Are your relationships a priority? Do you actually have a regular night of the week that you hang out with people? And when you do hang out, do you create space for real conversations, or do you spend most of the time on social media scrolling through newsfeed and making fun of other people? Right? Are your friends something that only matters when you're bored, or do they get dedicated time every single week? Do they get your full attention? Is your relationship with Jesus a priority? Do you read your Bible regularly? The number one predictor of spiritual growth is how much you read your Bible. Do you give it time? Do you set aside time every day to pray? Is being at collective a non-negotiable part of your Sunday morning? Or is it something you do when you have time? Right? Do you spend more time wishing you were growing closer to God than actually owning your own growth and reading the Bible and spending time praying and actually getting plugged in here? Is your relationship with Jesus a priority? Is your mental health a priority? This one's gonna sound a little bit like a soapbox because it is. Just because your friend shares what they talk to their counselor about and you resonate with it doesn't mean you care about your mental health. Retweeting something a counselor said doesn't make it a priority for you. I just saw this the other day on Facebook. Signing up for a counselor who texts you when they are free and available doesn't mean it's a priority. Just because you Google mental health because you think you might be struggling with something doesn't make it a priority. Mental health is a priority, priority for you when you actually spend time working on your mental health, talking to a counselor regularly, not just when you feel like it's low, right? If you go to a counselor, you know every day, every week, every month, I need to be doing this thing. 
It means reading books about shame and vulnerability and how do we move out of those parts of our life. If you want your mental health to be a priority, you have to give it time. Now, I know that some of you want that to be a priority and you might not have the resources for it. And so if that's the case, come find me after service today and I'll get you connected. We have a great network of mental health professionals that we send people to all the time because we want it to be a priority, right? We want this to be important to every single person in this room, in our city, and in the world. And I could keep going. We could talk about your physical health. How about your hobbies or your personal growth? Let's talk about rest. Is rest a priority for you? My point is this, our time and our priorities are directly connected, so we need to be careful how we live. Don't be a fool that claims something has value, but when you look at how you spend your time, it doesn't actually get any of it. Right? If there are things in your life that you value, they need to be a priority. They need to get your time, regular, consistent, planned out time. If it has value to you, make it a priority. Let's go back to Paul, what Paul says. He continues, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Now that, that phrase, make the most of every opportunity, comes from a Greek word, which is what the New Testament is written in, that actually means to redeem. This idea of buying back. So Paul says, redeem our time, right? Take it back, own your time. And so here's the second application for today. If it is a priority, give it value, right? If it has to get your time, give it value. When you wrote down your second list of how you actually spend your time during your week, there are certain parts of your life that are unavoidable, and take up a significant amount of time, such as sleeping or working, or if you're a student, that would be school. You can't skip sleep, some of us try to, it doesn't work. You can't really leave your job without getting another job. You can't quit school, right? Whether you like it or not, these things are priorities because they take up your time, so you should treat them like they're a priority, right? If it is a priority, if it gets your time, give it value. Your job most likely takes up more time than anything else in your life. It is a priority, whether you like it or not, so make sure it has value. Work at a job that you love. Work at a job that doesn't take away from your other priorities in your life. Work at a job where you actually wake up on Monday mornings excited because you love what you do and who you do it with. If you have to spend one-third of your life doing it, you should enjoy it. Students, whether you like it or not, school is a priority for you right now. Study. Do your homework. Try new classes that challenge you and make you think differently than how you're currently thinking. Build meaningful relationships that can last and not shallow ones that will fade away as soon as you graduate. Sleep. Sleep is a priority and we need to treat it that way. This is something that I've had to change in my own life over the past six months. A few months ago, Ray and I were hanging out with some friends and she started talking about how I'd been snoring lately. And we joked about it for a little bit, but then my friend actually said, like, you, you might have a problem. You, you might actually have sleep apnea and you should get it checked out. And at first I thought that was dumb because I was like, I'm not old enough to have that. Like, why would I have this issue? But after talking with him about it a little bit more, I decided to take a sleep test. When the results came in, I found out that I have severe sleep apnea. And I'm not even kidding you, my breathing stops 30 times an hour. That's terrifying. That means my heart is working extra hard. And so I spent the last few months seeing a doctor about my sleep habits, and now I sleep with a CPAP. And what I thought was exhaustion from having kids and starting collective was actually the fact that I don't sleep well. And so now I get the same amount of sleep, but because it's a priority for me, I feel better than I've felt in the last 10 years. And I see that playing out in every aspect of my life. I'm more patient with my kids. 
I get to work early. I work harder during the day. I'm not as tired as night. I give my wife more quality time. Another way that you bring value to your priorities is through something called integration. Integration is combining two or more things so that they can become whole. We actually did a sermon series about this two years ago. And the series is all about this idea that balances a myth. So there's a better way to approach life. And that's through integration, through putting these things together. So you have to ask yourself, how do I integrate parenting and church? How do I make those things come together? How do I integrate dating and my hobby? How do I integrate family and work? How do I integrate different things in my life so that I can bring value to them? By the way, I'm not talking about multitasking. That's something completely different. Some of you are like, I'm a multitasker. You're actually not. Um, Clifford Nass, who's a researcher from Stanford, believed he was a multitasker, did a whole study on it. What he found was that multitaskers actually are worse at everything that they do. Right? They just don't do anything well at that point. And so the idea isn't multitasking and try to balance a bunch of plates. The idea is integration, bringing two things together to give them value. If you get stuck in traffic every day, redeem that time by listening to podcasts or the Bible or worship music. If you spend time walking your dog every day, call your mom, call your friends, bring somebody with you. While you're cooking, have your kids join you so you can spend quality time with them instead of turning Netflix and letting them space out for 30 minutes. My point is there are certain things in your life that take up a considerable amount of time, so you should treat them as if they're a priority because the reality is, is that they are. So if it's a priority, give it value. So if it has value, make it a priority. If it is a priority, give it value. And when you do that, you'll begin to realize that there are things in your life based on the time you give them that are a priority, but you realize that they have no value. You give certain things in your life so much time and there's no way that you can redeem them. There's no way you can make them have value or make them bring anything better to your life or your marriage or your career. And those are the things that you cut from your life. Those are the things in your life that cause stress. Those are the things in your life that cause frustration. Those are the things in your life that need to be removed because they're a priority, but they have no value. There's one more thing that Paul mentions in Ephesians 5. And this is the most important thing that he says. And to be honest, if there's anything that you take home today, this is, this is what you need to take home and what Paul says in verse 17. He says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Above everything, the way that you make the most of your time, the way that you live like the wise is to understand what God wants you to do. And what God wants you to do is actually very simple. Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Jesus says above everything, seek God first. The number one priority for us needs to be our relationship with Jesus. And to be honest, this actually isn't really an item on a list, but the filter through which we approach our priorities. And Jesus promises that when we put God first, when we live righteously, which simply means that we live in a way that honors him, all the other priorities we have will be better. When we put him first, we will have a stronger marriage. We will have more authentic relationships. We will have a more purposeful career. We will be better physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually if we trust him and if we seek his kingdom first. So if you are a follower of Jesus, your number one priority is your relationship with God. It is your time with God. It is your worship of God. It is your trust in God. Because that leads to life to the fullest, which Jesus promises in John 10.10. That doesn't mean your life will be easy. It doesn't mean there won't be any pain. It doesn't mean your life will be perfect. It simply means that your time and your priorities will be better. 
Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, or you're here and you feel like your faith is stale, or maybe you would say that Jesus isn't really a priority right now, like he used to be, but you're slowly watching him work his way further and further down the list. Or maybe there are things in your life that you say are a priority, but you can tell something's missing, right? Your marriage lacks intimacy. Your relationships seem shallow. You feel stuck in your careers. You're stressed out all the time. Maybe 2020 is the year where you try to put Jesus first and see how how it impacts the things in your life that matter the most to you. Because Jesus promises that if you seek him first, he will give you everything you need. Not everything you want, everything you need. He will give you grace no matter how broken you are. He will give you endless second chances no matter how many times you screw up. He'll give you forgiveness no matter how much you don't feel like you deserve it. He'll give you unconditional love when you feel unlovable. He'll give you a community to belong to when you feel alone. He'll give you hope when all else seems lost. And just imagine what your life would be like if those things in your life that were a priority had Jesus at the center of them as the filter through which you approach those things. And so maybe this is the year that you finally say yes to what Jesus is offering you. You've done it before. You've made resolutions before, you've made goals before, but for some reason we get to the end of the year, we start a new year and we try all over again. Well, maybe it's time for something completely different. And so for some of you, your first step, the first thing that you need to do is just saying yes to trusting in God, to seeking him first and letting that bleed out into every other aspect of your life. The way that we celebrate that at Collective is by people who put their faith in Jesus and get baptized the way Sadie did last week. And so if you're ready to make 2020 a new year, an actual different year, start with Jesus. And if you wanna have that conversation, check off baptism on your connection card and let's talk about it. I promise you, it will be better. It won't be perfect, but it will be better. And so we need to prioritize our lives. We need to move some things up. We need to move some things down. And there's some things that we need to remove from our lives altogether. And there's no better time to do that than the start of a new year. This is a fresh start We have new opportunities to take a few small steps forward that will hopefully lead to a better week, a better year, but ultimately a better life. We just need to prioritize what we value, add value to our priorities, and most importantly, above everything else this year, we need to seek God first. Let's pray. God, I think think there's so many things in our life that... uh, get our time and our attention and our energy that, if we're being honest, don't have any value. Um, God, there are hobbies that we do that don't bring any value to our marriage. God, there are friendships that we have that don't bring any value to our relationship with you. God, we we work in a career that takes us away from our family and our friends. Uh, God, even when we're around, we're unpleasant. So God, the truth is we know there are things in our life that we need to change. God, there are priorities in our life that we need to move around. We need to add value to the things that we actually care about. Remove the things that we don't. But God, ultimately, of all of those things, we need to put you first. So God, I I pray as we approach 2020 and so many of us are are ready for new starts or uh, new beginnings, new, new steps, new opportunities, new goals. God, I pray above all else that we put you first. God, that we don't just do the same thing every single year, every single January, over and over and over again and expect different results. And God, you tell us that if we seek you first, you'll give us everything we need. God, you'll give us joy. You'll give us hope. But ultimately, God, you'll give us grace, the thing that we need the most. 
So God, I, I just pray that we can do that as a church, God, as individuals. Help us figure out how to reprioritize life and put you first so that we can see you in everything that we do. God, because you promised us when we do that, when we seek you first, when you're the filter at which we approach everything that we do, things will get better. God, we know they won't be perfect. And God, we won't always get what we want, but you'll give us exactly what we need. God, we thank you and we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.